Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by DoorDash and Booz Allen and Squarespace. I'm Simone Rochefort, a video producer, a senior video producer at Polygon.com. And I'm here today with Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft, and Christina Warren's mom, and Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress. Hey, welcome back to the show, Christina's mom. Thank you. Yeah, my mom, uh, Mary Warren, uh, retired, I guess is, is what her uh, title is now. Yes, retired. Uh, very happily it, retired. She would be Mercedes expert. Yes, Mercedes yes. expert, Mary Warren. <laughs> um, Mercedes advocate, Mary Warren. Yes, 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 Mercedes advocate, and actually like Apple advocate, Yes, uh, <laughs> Mary Warren. Um, so I, I put this out on Twitter, and I, I thank uh, Brie and Simone for letting my mom uh, come back. Uh, uh Longtime listeners may recall that about two years ago, my mom bought the iPhone 10 and she went from, I think, from an iPhone 5S to the 10. So it was a really big upgrade. And we had my mom on and and she uh, actually it was kind of cool because she was in Atlanta and I was in Seattle and we uh, got her set up remotely. But she reviewed the iPhone 10 and I'm still <laughs> in Atlanta as we record this. And actually, my mom just recently, like two days ago, went from the iPhone 10 to the iPhone 11 Pro Max. So Ooh. figured it might be might be worthwhile getting a uh, Christina's mom's uh, phone review update. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. So Christina's mom, what made you upgrade your to the new phone? Well, I decided Mary, I'll call you Mary. I, okay, yes, sorry. please do that. Um I, the main reason was that despite my love for smaller phones, I determined that I was ready for a larger phone. And I'm I'm really happy with this because it's larger, but it's not too big to fit in the space that I need to put it in in my purse. And it's not mm. too big for a pocket. And I like it. I really like um, the bigger size. Now, what do you mostly use it for? Well... Unfortunately, I'm pretty much like everybody else. I use it for everything. I have a um, MacBook Air that Christina bought me. I have an iPad that Christina bought me. This must be about the third one that she bought me. She started me out in 2010. It was life-changing. And so I just use it for I, I use it. Yeah. Oh, the AirPods. Oh, my goodness. I just can't say enough wonderful things about those also that Christina bought me. Um, I... I use it for everything. I really use it more than I use the iPad. I use it much more than I use the, you know, the MacBook Air Pro, whatever it is. I I use it more than anything. So I, I basically, I'm like most people, I use my phone for everything, whereas I didn't used to do that. Right. Do you find that it's getting easier and easier to do things that you normally would have gone to the iPad or the computer to do on your phone? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's absolutely because it's, you know, it's just right there. And that's one reason I wanted a little bigger screen um, because I, I do too much purchasing um, online. And it's, oh, that runs you know, in the family, and I, I see. I can, okay. I, can, I can see everything real well. And I didn't used to use my phone um, to do banking. I just didn't trust it enough. Um, I, I I would tend to go to the, you know, the actual MacBook or to the iPad, but I never used my phone. 
So now with facial recognition and all of that, I probably shouldn't be, but I use my, I I just use it for everything, Mm -hmm. you know. What do you think of the battery life? Oh, that is incredible because with my um, 10 being two years and three months old, the battery life, I could hardly get through a day without having to charge it. And so I've had this, when did we get it? We got it on the 26th. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know that it was at full charge then, but I didn't charge it until last night. And it's because it was at 30 something percent. And I thought, ah, I'll go ahead and and charge it. That's awesome. So that really is awesome for me compared with the other. I was shocked. Yeah, and she, um, the camera, and I don't know if it was like an issue with maybe the lens was scratched or what, but her photos were coming out blurry on her iPhone 10. And so um, on the the 11 Pro Max, obviously now she has the three cameras that she's excited to play with and and to use those things. So I know that she hasn't had a lot of time to spend with the camera, but I know mom's really excited about the camera. Well, it is just so cl- clear, so crisp. Um, the camera is phenomenal. And I know that my other one did take better pictures before. When we were in Europe, everybody said, well, let's use Mary's phone because it takes the best pictures. But we were that just always in, feels good. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just in New York and we were trying to take pictures in Radio City Music Hall. And my friend was there with her phone and hers was taking infinitely better pictures than mine. And so that was a real turnoff. Anyway, I didn't say anything to them when I went to trade it in that I didn't like the way my pictures looked. (laughs) So I don't know whether it was just age or maybe that I had dropped it one too many times. I don't know. But anyway, all I know now. You live in Georgia. It's very hot. So maybe the lens melted a bit. Who knows? It might be that I I might have had smeary hands and touched the, the, um, the camera side. I don't know. You know, Mary, I think you're... You're on to something, though, because I feel like the 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 week that I get a new phone, I take pictures with it. They always look amazing. And then there is similar to when you drive a car off a lot, there's a depreciation. And I don't know, like the next week or over the next month, it's like, ah, these don't look as good as they did that first week. Is it mm-hmm. me? Is, am I just used to them now? Every, now everyone else is taking the good photos again. I don't understand it. Well, you it might be. I don't know. I know that for right now, I'm very excited because I have a longer battery life. I have a bigger screen without it being big and clunky and bulky. And, um, oh, it's faster. It's definitely faster, even with what I consider poor Wi-Fi in my house. It, it is definitely much faster. So I'm I'm happy. I, other than that, I mean, I don't see a lot of differences in it, but it's big enough for me for a longer battery life, for it to be faster and um, to have a, a bigger screen, yeah. better photos. And um, and she she signed up for the Apple card. So she did the trade in at the Apple store. And I know mom wanted to talk about that process for anybody who might be going through something similar. Um, we kind of she kind of uh, made the decision. She was she'd already paid off her old phone because um, that was, I guess, on a, on a Verizon payment plan. But she's now on the Apple payment plan, which is the new thing they offered with the Apple card. And they gave her 
$400 for her iPhone 10 and Verizon was only going to give her 318. But mm. right now through the end of the year, and so as people listen to this, the deal might already be over, but they're giving 6% cash back um, on iPhone purchases that you do on the payment plans, but you get all of it up front. So she got, you know, basically, you know, like 6% back on the phone in addition to the the $400 trade-in. Yeah, so you've got, they told me that it was through the 31st. Um, in the past, before the iPhone 10, I always just paid cash. Mm-hmm. And then with the iPhone 10, I went through Verizon because I wanted to be like Christina and I wanted to be the first <laughs> one to have an iPhone 10. And I remember that she says, my mom got her iPhone 10 before I did. And the only way I could do it is that this little gal at Verizon looked at me like, like she was you know, my daughter. And she says, <laughs> I will go online for you and I will order this. And I said, well, good. I don't have to set the clock for <laughs> two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning. So she did. But in order to do that, I had to put it on my Verizon plan. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this is really a very painless way to pay. So when I went to Apple and they were going to give more money, they said, well, you can get an Apple card. So I said, well, let me think about that. And and so I, they said, well, they have to hit your credit. And I thought, well, I'm not getting ready to buy a house or anything or another car. <laughs> so that's all right. So I was literally, I left there. I went to the food court. I was eating pizza. I went in in a matter of, I swear, it was seconds. That probably isn't right. It may be a minute or two. I went into <laughs> the app and I um, got the card, you know. They they come right back to you, tell you how much, what interest rate. And so I had all that taken care of. And then after Christmas, went back to the Apple store with Christina. And since that was all ready, all I had to say is, I want this phone, this color. Yep. And all the fun stuff. All basically. the fun stuff. Yeah. So she got she has the same phone as me. She has the gold 256 gigabyte um, iPhone 11 Pro Max. So, Yeah. The only thing that we ran into, and this would just be interesting maybe for listeners, is that we did the the transfer process in the store from her old phone to her new phone since, you know, she was trading it in. And when you set up the phone now, there's a new option where it can do, like, I guess the device-to-device, like, uh, transfer so you don't have to download everything off of iCloud. And uh, that's actually a really good way of getting all of your data transferred. The only issue we had was that because my mom is smart and listens to me and always <laughs> updates her phone to the latest operating system, she was already running iOS 13.3. But the phones in the store were running 13.2. And there was like a conflict when the phone was trying to do the transfer. It was like, okay, we need to upgrade oh. the OS first. And what wound up happening, and I had a feeling this was going to happen, but I was hoping the software would be smart enough. Unfortunately, it was not, was that the, it froze twice while we were trying to do the update on the phone. And so um, one of the Apple guys, he was very nice. He just plugged it into a MacBook and and updated it manually. And once the OS was updated manually, then the transfer process was pretty seamless. Because of that, it took more time. So the one thing I think we'd probably say to anyone who does that process would be make sure that your operating system is the same version on, um, you know, your old phone and your new phone before you start that process. Because if you're going from, you know, if your old phone has a newer version than the new phone, 
um, there could be like a, you know, a setup conflict. But that was the only kind of snafu we ran into. Right. So that's awesome. It would make it much, you know, speedier if you're already at 12 point, I mean, 13, 13.3 to make sure that the phone they have just brought to you um, is at that same level. And if not, ask them, hey, there's going to be a problem here. So could you just use the computer and update this manually? Because, you know, if you don't want to, I didn't mind hanging out, but it, and it was after Christmas, the rush, you know, for me was over. But if, if you want to expedite things, it needs to be the same as what you've already got. I always find it's frustrating because you get there and the Apple Wi-Fi, I mean, it's not slow. You can you can watch a movie on it or whatever, but it's just, it's never a good experience. And you're always in the phone, in the store, like, you estimated. Right. I, I don't know. This was more than 30 minutes. Yeah, because of, because of the update issue, because of that process. But yeah, but I would say, though, that was, this was the first time. Um, I think I did it with one of my devices, but I hadn't done it before where you can do the device to device transfer. So what it does now, if you want to do that, is it creates a direct network connection between your phone and uh, your new device. And it will still download the apps from the cloud, but all of the data that is stored, all your photos, your videos, and any of the data within those apps is transferred directly, um, just using like, I guess, a direct you know Wi-Fi connection. And so in that case, it actually does go a lot faster um, than a typical iCloud, you know, which this for my mom, it probably wouldn't have been that big of a difference because I think her backup is probably only about 10 gigabytes. But for somebody like me who has like a 30 gigabyte backup, it was definitely much, much faster to, you know, it would be much, much faster to do the direct um, uh, setup connect. So anybody who's been curious about how that process works, it is faster. The only thing to be aware of is that you will still be downloading all the apps themselves off of the cloud. And that, of course, can still take some time. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Mary, on your new phone? No, I'm just real happy with it. Um, you know, I don't know that that it's that much better than the 10, but it's that much better for me because the battery life is better. The camera is better. It's faster. And it's got the bigger screen. So I've got what I want. I do have a question, actually. So, like, since this is a new phone and you're in the upgrade program now, do you think that come September you'll be getting the next iPhone again? Or are you going to stick with this one? Well, it would just really make a difference whether they've got this 5G down so that it's reliable and good and mm-hmm. and all of that. I might consider it, but more than likely, no, but... I, yeah. I could. I think I'll just know more about it. I know there's supposed to be um, a couple of upgrades. There's one coming in the spring, I think. I asked Christine, I said, should I wait? And she says, no, this is a good phone. Just <laughs> do it now. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and also, the, now. also, you know, the, uh, the $400. She wasn't, yes. wasn't going to get that much. Like Verizon was only offering 318 And after December 31st, it would be questionable whether I would get that much from Apple. Okay. So I've, since I was going to get the 6% and since I was going to get, you know, 400 for the phone, I figured that if I, you know, why, why wait, just do it now. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh my gosh. Well, thanks for telling us all about that. Well, thank you for having me. Y'all have a great (laughs) rest of the day. Thank you, mom. 
Hey, well, while we're adjusting, let me tell you about our sponsors on this episode of Rocket, because this episode of Rocket is brought to you by DoorDash. Whether you're super focused at work, having a chill day, or forgot to meal prep, you still need to eat, folks. With DoorDash, you can have dinner from your favorite restaurant delivered right to your door. Ordering is easy. You just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and you have your food delivered to you, wherever (gasps) you are. Your favorite pizza place is probably already on DoorDash. Yeah, but there are over a quarter of a million restaurants in over 3,000 cities. That's door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada. So you can order from your local go-tos. Or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, or the Cheesecake Factory. I was recently in Los Angeles, and I had been told to eat at Coco Ichibanya by like one of my best friends a bunch every time I went there and I just never had time to go and this time I also didn't have time to go but I had a night where I was in my hotel room and I was like it's time it's absolutely time and I did it I I went on to DoorDash and I had the good curry with the cheese in it delivered (laughs) to my hotel and I ate it sloppily on my bed and It was a beautiful moment for me. I finally got that curry, even though I didn't have time to physically go to the restaurant myself, because that would have been, I I, I played some scenarios in my head, but I decided, (laughs) yeah, this was best. Well, right now our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code ROCKET. That is $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the app store and enter the promo code ROCKET. Download the app now. Start planning your dinner, your lunch, your breakfast, your your snacks. Don't forget that's the promo code ROCKET for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Our thanks to DoorDash for their support of Rocket and all of Relay FM. Awesome. All right. Now, Brie, I know you had a listener story you wanted to share. I do. Let's get to the show and then I'll do it at the end. How does that sound? Sounds great. Yeah, let's get to some let's get to some decade in review. Decade in review. Folks, that's what we're doing this week. We're looking back on the decade 2010 to now. It's going to be 2020 in a couple days. Actually, it is 2020 by the time you're listening to this, which (laughs) means it's an election year, baby. (laughs) Uh, But we're going to talk about uh, a few awesome categories, and we're going to start off with our best Microsoft product of the decade. I think we're going to do this panel style, just go around and see what we each think. Maybe we'll agree and we can weigh in on each other's things. But I will start with um, my favorite Microsoft product of the decade is Christina Warren. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a Mary Warren product, actually. Um, I mean, the, yeah. I think Mary Ward invented it. They just acquired Christina. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I mean, I would still say Minecraft is a Microsoft product. So I think Christina is a Microsoft product now, too. And Mary is, (laughs) as we know, a millionaire. (laughs) Okay. Okay, fair, fair. Christina, what about you? For selling Christina to Microsoft. (laughs) Oh, uh, Mary is not a millionaire. uh, But uh, that would be amazing if that were true. And it would be amazing if I were were that. But thank you. Um, Okay, so... I think I'm going to say Windows 10 is oh. is, is my, my favorite. Uh, Windows 8 came out this decade, too, and that was not... Man, yeah, that, that was, was a dark time. That was a dark time. And, and, and Windows Phone, you know, had good ideas, but that was, that was not a thing. 
Um, I think that the Xbox One, you know, had its moments, but I'm going to say Windows 10. I think especially after, you know, at this point, Windows 10 is kind of like OS 10. It's like, you know, uh, you have like iterations, like updates twice a year or whatever. Uh, yeah, so I it's can't pretty much like, just like, this is where it's at. It's not going to, it's not going to go to 11. It's just going to be this. Right. But, but there have been some really, I think, especially, I guess, maybe like after they had like their first like big, like feature release update. I, I I think that Windows 10 has really come a long way and and really kind of you know wrote a lot of the the wrongs and the frustrations from uh, from Windows 8. So I'm going to say Windows 10. So what about- I I I got to disagree with you, Christina. Okay. I think um so so the 10s have really been an interesting decade of Microsoft reinventing itself. I mean, you know, Xbox One, which I think as this decade draws to a close, we can all agree it was more iterative than, uh, you know, than the genre defining. Sure. And I think Windows 10 is obviously it's a bedrock of it. But if you look at the overall direction Microsoft has gone this decade, you know, it's towards liquid data, it's towards Azure. And I mm-hmm. think, uh, you know, uh, Microsoft Windows is becoming less and less important. So. Definitely. I think I think you could say you know Azure would definitely be up there but the the thing I would say is Microsoft Surface uh, oh, when yeah, this first yeah, launched, yeah. yeah, when it first launched, people, I mean, it took a few generations for to really get to be something people wanted to buy. But I think when you when you think about the 10s being the decade that Microsoft reinvented itself, I think this is really a flagship. It showed Microsoft could take chances, stick in a product category, invent and iterate on it until it was successful. It showed Microsoft could ship hardware that rivaled Apple quality. And more than anything, I think it shows uh, a Microsoft willing to take chances. Uh, you know, I haven't bought the Surface uh, the Surface Pro X yet, but I that's a product I really want to exist because it's showing Microsoft moving very bravely into totally. the ARM era. So mm-hmm. I think I think when you look you know back at right. this decade, yeah, that would be my answer. No, you know what I. <laughs> I, I dumbly was even like, I guess I was trying to think like, you know, consumer products, whatever, and and Surface, it slipped my mind, which is dumb because you're right. Like Surface has been great. And at first, you know, a lot of us were not really into it and we're like, this isn't working. And then from the time the Surface Pro 3 came out, that was really sort of like, okay, this isn't trying to be a tablet anymore. This is saying this is a laptop that has touch features and can be more portable and yeah, I mean, the Surface Pro line is great. Uh, the Surface Book is is good. The Surface Laptop is a really great laptop. So yeah, uh, I I agree. I think Surface is probably yeah, yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. The Surface Pro is actually my non joke answer to that <laughs> as well. All right, so Surface, the Surface line, and with a subcategory of Windows Ten, we think <laughs> is and, and another subcategory of Christina Warren. Yeah, is our Fair. Microsoft <laughs> product of the decade. Fair. Okay. Uh, let's move on to Android. Android product of the decade. I will actually start with a serious one this time. My choice would be either the Google Pixel as kind of the beginning of the ideal manifestation of an Android phone. Or whichever Samsung phone it was that started the huge phone trend. I yeah, think that those, the Galaxy I, I, Note. as the most, yeah, I guess, Galaxy definitive Note. product of the decade, maybe not the Galaxy best. Galaxy Note but, is mine as well. So Yeah. 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 I, would, I would say the Galaxy Note is up there. Um, I might, I think the Galaxy in general, because the Galaxy, that's what I'm going to say. I think the Note started the big phone trend, but the Galaxy was like 2010 and with like 
that line, they, they called them different things at first. Like there was a, a different name um, for the different uh, U.S. carriers. But it was the first time that Samsung was like, we're going to use our own UI and UX and kind of create something that can compete with Apple. And by the time you got the Galaxy S2 and then especially the Galaxy S3, like Samsung's brand became in some pockets as strong as Apple's. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I think you're right. The Note, which I thought was hideously huge and like couldn't understand why anyone would want a four and a half inch screen. uh, (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I know. I know. And 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 yet yet here we are. Uh, yeah, oh, God. yeah, so I'm, I'm with you. I think, yeah, the Note or or just the Galaxy in general, that, that would be my pick. Uh, well, and I in, think in that your mom... In 2009... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Simone. I was just going to say, your mom, I think, hit on something, like, very simple and smart um, when she was talking to us about the, the iPhone X and the size of it, which is that as our phones become more ubiquitous and start to replace things that we would do on our computers, like, when she mentioned financial stuff, I was like, oh, I should look at my bank account on my phone. J- did it just now during the show. But, um... The size, I think, is go, goes hand in hand with that ubiquity of use. I think it's, I mean, especially here in the Apple community, I certainly blasted it. Gruber did. Uh, you know, Jason Snell blasted it. All of us, I think, on the Apple side of things, were very guilty of discounting the the, the Galaxy Note. Totally. Uh, in 2009, the size of the phone, uh, just top to bottom, was about 4.5 inches. Like measure 4.5 inches and think about that being the average phone uh, at the beginning of this decade and think about where we are now. And I just think uh, you know, a decade, uh, it is. And a decade is a good point to say, okay, who really set the standards, broke the boundaries? And I think Android got that right before, you know, before Microsoft and certainly Apple did. And I just think they deserve credit. Absolutely. Well, yep, Samsung, except for, you know, the phone that blew up, but like all the other ones. <laughs> right. Not on this but list. It was big. It was a big screen as it was blowing up. It, it, it's fair. Do you guys have any, <laughs> uh, I guess, other alternative offerings for Android product? Nope. Um, I would say uh, the only thing I would think, maybe Chromecast. Oh. That's fair. That's fair. Because that really set the tempo for what Apple TV would become. Yeah, yeah. and it also set set the tempo for for, for for the Fire TV stick and the Roku stick and some other things like I think Chromecast, especially, you know, like the $35 price point when that came out, you have to think that was when the Apple TV three was a thing. And so you didn't have apps um on the on the TV then. Um and you know, they only supported a certain number of services. And yet AirPlay existed. Uh, but, you know, that was still like a $150 product, $125 product. And, you know, Chromecast, $35. You, know, you plug it in and you can just literally from your web browser or from an app on your phone, just, you know, share your screen, um, cast stuff. I think that was pretty inventive. And uh, that would be the only thing I would say. Uh, I, I I get what you're saying with the Pixel because I think that that was like, you know, the ultimate kind of manifestation of like perfect Google. But we had the Nexus um, at the end of, um, you know, at the, uh, at the, at the uh, yeah, actually at the, at the very end of the decade, um, last decade, we had, the, we had the first Nexus. And then, you know, they tried that and, and it didn't really work. The Pixel was just more of like, you know, a refinement of that. I would still think. Yeah, that's why I said that. Yeah, no, totally. Because I think it, and if we're talking like pure Android I think it is better than Google's previous phones. and Without a doubt. The beginning of the, I guess, 
the the pixel line which now is considered yeah on par with apple is totally well one of the best smartphones out there and and it's it's worth noting that like the nexus lines they would partner with different manufacturers so there were you know a couple of nexus models that were manufactured by samsung there were a few that were made like the first one was htc uh one was lg you know and then you know i think google got frustrated with some of the maybe hardware inconsistencies and not having full control and was like no we need to you know own this ourselves um, but yeah, I mean, I, I still think I would probably put Chromecast isn't pure Android, but it, it has enough kind of of an Android thing in it that I, I, that's, that would probably be the only secondary thing I would say to the, to the Galaxy Note. Noise. Fair point. Shall right, we, got we a lot of products yes, to get through. Yeah. Move on <laughs> to our Apple product of the decade. Bree, do you want to start this one off? No, go ahead. I want to see what you all think. Oh dear. Okay. I okay, mean, I was I'll go really first. boring. I'll go first. Okay, uh, go first. So I think uh, it's an obvious choice, but, uh, you know, the iPhone, so I think it's really important to remember, again, where we were at the beginning of the decade. The iPhone that was out was the 3GS. It was a great phone, but man, you look back at those pictures and you look at the battery life and you look at the, the capability of it. I, I I think that Apple has hit some really solid singles throughout this decade. Apple Watch is absolutely a single. Um, iPad Pro is probably a triple. Uh, you know, the Retina iMac, definitely a double. Um, but I think when it comes to the the Apple product that has continued to set the standard for the industry, it is undoubtedly the iPhone. And I, I feel very strongly that you know, this has been a decade of some, some real change and the tech industry wrestling with the worst precedents that we have set. And in pushing back on that every single step of the way, the iPhone has been the the first defense weapon for that. Uh, when it comes to privacy, when it comes to spying geolocation data, when it comes to, uh, you know, fighting the FBI as they're trying to set legal precedents to break into citizens' phones in this country, Apple has put it all on the line with that device, pushing back against it. Um, so I just... It's an obvious choice, but I think the iPhone is, it's clearly, um, it's been very successful this decade for Apple. Yep. The iPhone 4 was also mine, just as the, yeah, literally in 2010, the Mm -hmm. very beginning of this decade, the prototype for everything that would come. Totally. Yeah. No, iPhone 4 is absolutely mine. Uh, And I think it's probably even my, my gadget of the decade, right? Like it's uh, even more than, even more than just like anything else. I think, uh, (laughs) The switch might be close, but I, I still I think probably iPhone <laughs> iPhone four, uh, you know, because again to, to Bree's point, like you look at the three GS, which was a great device, but the four we get Retina, you get the front facing camera, uh, so you get FaceTime, you know, you get the industrial design, which to this day I still think is the most pure kind of perfect industrial like phone design of a smartphone that we've ever had. Like I think that it, I still think the iPhone four is perfect, um, you know. Arguably, I think you could say like the six or the six plus, you know, uh, was was iconic in its own way. Again, kind of Apple taking cues from Samsung and making a bigger phone. Um, but yeah, no, I think the iPhone four. The one thing I would say, maybe I know this this might be controversial. The one I would say would be like my runner up is actually going to be AirPods. Oh, that's I, fair. Tell us more. That's fair. So I think, and I've been thinking a lot about this, like. There was a recent, I think uh, it might have been Horace uh, um, uh, uh, Dido or, or someone, another analyst, like figured out that at this point, you know, 
AirPods and, and Apple Watch are bigger than, you know, the iPod was. And I think that you that AirPods themselves, they don't split it out, but are more than likely bigger than what the iPod business was, which is kind of incredible to think about. And I've been thinking a lot about, like I, I wrote something a number of years ago about how like the Apple Watch was the new iPod. And I still stand by that to a certain extent, but I think the thing that kind of makes it the iPod is AirPods. And although, you know, I was frustrated initially with just some of the kind of the software, you know, niggles, I gave it a very good review from the beginning because I was using like a, a pre-release version in 2016. And what's been super interesting to me is just to see how over the last, you know, uh, three years or so, they are everywhere. Like the ubiquity of them is mm -hmm. unparalleled. And it brought truly wireless earbuds to a place that, you know, nobody else could could do and that everybody else is copying. Um, Another product we also kind of made fun of oh, when totally. it debuted. Totally made fun of. And, and you know, we go, this looks so silly. And it's like, no, this is now everyone has them. I mean, my, my mom is obsessed with her AirPods, which is amazing. <laughs> like she literally, her only complaint is that she wishes that she the battery was longer because she listens to audiobooks when she's sleeping and will wake up in the middle of the night and the battery's dead and she has to charge oh. them, you know, and then like re-listen again. And like, you know, but that's the sort of thing, like when you don't want to take them out, when you want to sleep in them, when you want to always have them, like that to yeah. me, I, I feel like AirPods was one of these things everybody made fun of and kind of wrote off and has wound up being kind of like, you know, the enduring kind of, like if you look at... Well, yeah, like when they make movies... 50 years from now, set in this time period, yes. that's going to be like one of those things Completely. where everyone's wearing the AirPods. It's like, oh, yeah, that's what people wore back then. Totally. And I also feel like it's one of those like kind of similar to the iPod where like that was kind of a halo effect product where you bought an iPod and you like that so much that you wanted to get up or Apple products. I feel like AirPods are maybe more than any other kind of secondary thing that Apple sells. Like what would convince you to want to buy more Apple products? Mm hmm. I yeah. think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, and I think that, I think that this next decade of computing, you know, we're eventually going to move more and more towards things like products you store on your, your body, right? right. Especially as Apple's getting into AR, um, you know, this is going to be the decade at some point that, you know, uh, an iPhone that is in some way accessible to your vision all the time comes out, you know? Mm -hmm. AirPods are are it's it's gonna historically be the first gen of something like a computer that's in your ear all the time that you just tap to give you information. Um, you know, I, I I just think this is not gonna be the decade that really comes to fruition. And I think 50 years from now, assuming we address climate change and don't go extinct, <laughs> you know, I think we're really going to be looking at um I think this is gonna be the iPhone will be the gadget that defines it. Oh, totally. Can yeah. I take a moment to do another ad? Of course. <gasps> wow. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Booz Allen. Modernizing for the future is a challenge, especially for large organizations. You may need to integrate legacy systems with new technology. You may need to incorporate AI and analytics to work more efficiently and make fast decisions. And everyone needs new ways of thinking to move to what's next, whether for government or commercial goals. Booz Allen understands, and they're helping some of the world's largest organizations modernize. They understand the missions of government and industry and the need to adapt to constant change. They provide open source solutions so clients can integrate innovation from anywhere, whether from visionary startups or major contractors. 
Plus, they're helping clients power new technologies with analytics. And because security is everyone's priority, they integrate their capabilities with intelligence-grade cybersecurity. With Booz Allen, integration means putting you in control of innovation. Integrate, innovate, get it done with Booz Allen. Learn more at boozallen.com slash relay. That is boozallen.com slash relay. We'd like to thank Booz Allen for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let's get back to products of the decade. We're going to move on to most definitive app or best app or, uh, yeah, best or decade defining, I think is kind of our criteria here. Um, I am curious about Christina's choice. Oh, Instagram. Okay, that's a really good one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So Instagram has certainly, I think, changed behavior patterns of people. Mm -hmm. It has psychologically affected (laughs) everyone who uses it. Um, Yeah. I mean, if if you look at like the, 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 you know, the pre-2010s, if you think that that was like the decade of Facebook, right? Like, you know, Facebook really came into its own like this decade. Um, I think Instagram is, is what led the social and kind of the interactive, like, yeah, it's just, it's Instagram. I think that's, yeah. Yeah. And their, I think their willingness to change their product, like at the beginning, Instagram was that thing that posted square vintage photos and gradually changing to, no, now you can change the size of the photos. Oh no, now you don't have to have this like kind of distorted vintage looking filter. Now we want these clear, bright, pastel filled photos of lifestyle and extending that to even being very mercenary about taking whatever features are performing well from other apps. Um, Instagram has been very willing to shift and stay on top of the, the photo app market. I have an alternative suggestion. Uh, what is that? I w- pondered over this for a while and then drew inspiration from driving around uh, my old neighborhood yesterday and remembering how lost I mm. used to get when I met when I moved away to college. I had a car. I didn't have a smartphone yet. I was super lost. And one thing changed all of that and has changed it, I think, forever for college students moving away everywhere. And that is Google Maps. Yeah. And when I think back to like vacations that I took as a child or even as a, a young adult, going away on study abroad, not having a device that had um, a GPS in it to now when it's so, so easy. I I look, I use it to look up transportation basically every day. Um, I use it to find like places that I would want to go on vacation and just peep at them through Street View. I think Google Maps has not only, I think, changed the way that we, it's changed the way we navigate the world, certainly uh, for better and for worse. And it has been been a part of, I think, the surveillance culture that we're living in now, where everything is mapped and photographed and tracked. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a that's a great point. I mean, certainly, it, but you're so right. Like, I I actually think about this a lot. I'm like, if I had to go back and use my phone from, you know, like 2007, like if I had to go back and use my razor. Like, how would I get around? Like, how would I be able to, <laughs> you know, do anything? Um, and I, I would be completely lost. Like, I don't know how Even, to like, exist. Even, like, extending to, how do I check when the bus is coming? No, I mean, completely. I mean, like, I genuinely don't know how I would get around. Like, I, I like, think back in those days, I'm like, 
I mean, it's one of those reasons why if you lose your phone, it's such a big deal because you're not just losing your phone, you're losing your map, you're losing, you know, your access to your your bank, all these other things, your camera, but like losing access to where you're going, massive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're spoiled. We are completely <laughs> spoiled. But yeah, no, I, I think I think Google Maps and and I also feel like for as much as as much criticism as we can we can and should maybe put on the surveillance stuff, like Google Maps is still so much better than Apple Maps. Like it's not it's even so a, much better. It's oh my not god! Even a question. Like Apple has been investing a lot in that, and that's great. But Google has a decade plus head start and is just better at it. You know, it's just like you know what? It's also better than. Whatever that default map that's in Facebook is, when you try to map your way to an event and right. it uses that crap map, I don't even know what. I don't even know what that is. It's very bad, though. <laughs> Bree, do you have any thoughts? Uh, I would probably agree with that. Instagram, uh, I would say, like this has been the decade of the millennial uh, social media app more than anything. I mean, break that down with Snapchat, Instagram to a certain extent. Uh, you know, WhatsApp. Um, really, this kind of subculture of uh, you know the social media apps for younger people have really taken over the zeitgeist. Um, and there it mm-hmm. is. Yeah, let's move on to console game. Um, I left this one blank because <laughs> there were too many to choose from. But I think um, I am going to kind of, so I don't know. I have so many favorite games. I think if I were choosing a most definitive game, I'm going to kind of pull from one of the ones that Polygon, I mean, it's what we put on our um, 50 top 50 games of the decade list. And that was Minecraft. Um, not because it's the best game, but because it has, there are aspects of it that have become ubiquitous to how games are sold uh, and what games are nowadays. Um, one of that being it was released in early access. It uh, was, I think, crowdfunded to some extent. It was, it became a social network for kids to play in. It has a building aspect that was, that has now filtered down to games like Fortnite, which is the biggest game in the world and when it was first launched it it was it wasn't really it didn't look like much you know it was it flew under the radar um actually much like Fortnite did when everyone was like what's this this is a joke this is dumb um and then it blew up but uh it was kind of underestimated and then through groundswell it became definitely one of the biggest games of the decade uh made Hatsune Miku its inventor a millionaire and then was sold to Microsoft, which is has continued to adapt it for so many different platforms, including AR, which is potentially the platform of the future. We'll see. Excellent. Yeah, I think I think that's a, that's a great choice. I would have, I don't know. I, uh, Last of Us was what I was going to say, but I mean, you guys play a lot more console games than I do. Um, I just think, like from a story standpoint, that was really really big. I mean, honestly, though, you could even say, I mean, GTA Five. I would still say, even though that's iterative, just if that's online play has continued to be so influential. But no, I mean, I, I can't argue with Minecraft. I mean, Minecraft kind of created, I mean, I think you could even argue that like Twitch as a platform, you know, the success of a lot of that was really built on the back of, you know, Minecraft. Um, so many kids have learned mm-hmm. to code because of Minecraft. You know, there have been so many other, you know, things that have happened. And, and to your point, like things like Fortnite, you know, we wouldn't have m- maybe necessarily have happened the same way. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, Minecraft is is incredibly, incredibly uh, okay. influential. This would be, this would be my argument. 
Minecraft is definitely very uh, influential. I would argue that's more of a PC game. It got its uh, fair. base. That's actually very kinda, fair. That's very fair. Kind of in the, it, well, we don't have a PC product category this year because none of us are big PC. It first came to fruition with, um, you know, him uh, uh, putting out this like, uh, hey, I'm going to support forever. I'm going to get it up there. Uh, just go. It, it really set the uh, trend, I think, for for shipping games while they were in beta and refining it. What what I would say is when we look back at the the 2010 measure of the game industry, I think the the biggest trend this this decade is going to be known for is the line of single player experiences mm. and very specifically story games, story based games. Um, you know, Jedi Fallen Order, I've been working on that right now, and it's it's stunning. It's a it's a story-based game. It's not that good, but this is the kind of game our industry used to ship all the time, uh, mm-hmm. like a long single-player experience uh, that is uh, out there and uh, doesn't, like, it's an open world. It's not asking you to come in and grind things for an entire year. There's, you know, it's just a, a different kind of thing. So when I think back at the the best, most ground-setting, most important experience that happened this decade, I would argue it's something that happened at the, the very beginning of the 2010s, uh, and that would be Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. Mass Effect 2 came out in 2010. Um, I personally think that this is the most important game our industry has ever shipped. Um, it is uh, just writing that holds up from every conceivable angle. And I think it's also important to remember this game was really in planning before uh, EA ended up buying Bioware. And, you know, a decade later, we really see what's what's happened to Bioware. You know, Anthem, uh, you know, Mass Effect 3, Mass Effect Andromeda, uh, you know, Dragon Age, uh, the Dragon Age uh, Inquisition got good reviews. I don't think it's that good, actually. Mm-hmm. So I think when you're, you're thinking about the best product that industry shipped the entire decade, um, I feel pretty strongly as Mass Effect 2. I think that's actually a really good argument. Um, yeah, it is the kind of game that feels special and rare nowadays um in the age of hey minecraft <laughs> yeah no totally yeah and, and i think you make a great point too about the console nature of uh of, yeah. of these versus pc so yeah i can't argue with that yeah shall we move on to nintendo product of the decade i am wondering if anyone has anything to say besides nintendo switch and something smart to go with it uh, hmm. I think, I think, okay, Nintendo Switch is obviously the product of the decade. If you, if you look back at the history of Game Boy, it's, it's really interesting. Um, when we think about the first, um, de- device or product or industry ship that really included win- women, people don't know this. The Game Boy actually sold more, uh, copies of it, uh, to women than it did with the boys. Totally. Uh, which I think is very interesting. This has been the, the, the one products merged together and became one thing. I think if you're looking at the overall decade and the product that Nintendo shipped to really define itself, I think it's got to be Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Um, it's not my personal mm. favorite game, but it is. A, it is. it really shows Nintendo um, operating at their best and really doing the kind of game design that any other uh, company that would have shipped a game like that, it would come 
DLC packs that were annoying and pay to level up and like all these other mechanics. It's just very refined and the physics engine in it uh, is is really going to hold up 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about Breath of the Wild is that, you know, it was it was being designed for the Wii U. And the failure of the Wii U, you know, uh, I think probably spurred development and maybe even changed development. We we don't we won't ever know until the history is written. But I have a strong feeling that one of the reasons they used, you know, kind of the NVIDIA base that they did for the Switch was because they didn't have the time to kind of do their own silicon and do their own kind of development the way they have historically. Um, it wound up being a really good decision because they prove they can build just incredible games, right? And then the Switch has been a massive hit. But, you know, it was it was designed for this platform that had all these possibilities that didn't happen. And the Switch was like all those things happening. And that game, you know, living kind of in both places, I don't know, I kind of like it because it shows like what what the difference was between those two, you know, executions and those two, those two consoles. Yeah. And at the same time, both had a commitment to doing something different from existing consoles out there yes. that is very innovative and brave. I mean, with the Wii U, it was that the tablet, mm-hmm. and you see that with the Switch, but then you also see the detachable controllers with their different formations and uh, all like the different aspects of those controllers that make them very unique and interesting. Um, so, yeah, and Breath of the Wild was the perfect showcase for that. And it is very interesting that it started as a game for the Wii U because it does live so comfortably on the Nintendo Switch. Um, and I, I think that it contributed massively to making that a must-have product when it first launched. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But, yeah, I mean, as, as you both said, I mean, the Switch is definitely their product of the decade. And, again, I would just say what I think is so interesting about the Switch is I was at the Wii U launch And, you know, I talked to a lot of people, uh, you know, at Nintendo there. I even saw like a, you know, I got to see a a preview, a closed door preview at CES one year when Nintendo wasn't actually at CES, but they still rented hotel rooms, you know, to show certain, you know, media, um, you know, previews of things. And you could see what they were trying to do with the Wii U. You could see like what the idea was. But from the beginning, it always seemed like, okay, we've got this tablet, but I can't take it out of the house and I can't do these other things on it. It was always crippled in a way where you're like, the potential is so great, but it's just not here. And what I love about the Switch is that it really did take all the potential that the Wii U had and like, you know, not only did it promise like not only did it live up to the to those promises, it leaned in it leaned in but it did more right like to your point you know yeah. it had the it had the accessories you have the the labo stuff you have the other things and it really became kind of this world where you're like you know nintendo who's always been like far and away the the leader in um handheld consoles was able to release truly like a hybrid and uh mm-hmm. and it, it, yeah and i think the success of the i certainly i was at the switch launch as well and i certainly thought that like it was awesome and i walked away being like this is amazing, but I didn't know how successful it was going to be. And I've been very pleasantly surprised by how massively successful it's been. And the fact that it's become a product that not only are new games being developed for it, but also developers are putting in the time to adapt old games to older games to this console that wouldn't even necessarily we wouldn't have necessarily paired those up in our minds. For example, The Witcher 3, um, which obviously does not run perfectly on the Switch because it is a PS4 and Xbox One game. It's so beautiful. Um, But it's on the Switch now. You can play it on the Switch and it works 
fine. It just works fine, whatever. Um, and that's something that I wouldn't have expected to happen. And it makes me so happy and, and hopeful for the switches, the health of the switches. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, the the ecosystem. That's the word I'm looking for. I was like, the ecology. No, that's not right. The Switch ecosystem, because people want to put games on that platform. Hey, let's move on to best trend of the decade. Um, I'll start this time. For me, I think the best trend, the healthiest trend, is the move away from social networks and towards more intimate group chats with the introduction of the close friends filter on Instagram of um, the surge of apps like WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger or Telegram um, to create small intimate chats. Uh, Obviously, as I'm saying this, that does come with huge downsides, such as WhatsApp being used to (laughs) cause genocides in other countries. But I do think in general, a a turn inward into intimate groups is healthier on an individual level than performing for multitudes on Twitter or um, other large social networks. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Bree, do do you have a trend? Best trend of the decade. Boy, it's really hard because this has been a really bad decade. Yeah, overall. it has, hasn't it? Um, I think that I would say the best trend I've seen this decade is real rise of consciousness from the people that work in the tech industry to take agency in how the products that we ship are used. You've seen this with Google, with uh, women. Like taking the front lines uh, in the fight to unionize and to make sure uh, they're treated fairly. I think that is amazing. Uh, you've seen this at Microsoft. You've seen this at the game industry. Um, and I, I really think the best trend I've seen is some real soul searching after, after Trump was elected in considering how the things we build uh, affect the world. That's not to say it's always successful because we're always going up against the money men. But I think the kind of conversations that are routine today would have been very hard to imagine back in 2009. Uh, women's inclusion in the tech industry. We were not having the same conversation about that back in, in 2009. Yeah. Uh, I think we were not having conversations about how people of color are represented in video games or how LGBT people are. So it's been, uh, it's been uh, growth pains with some very high costs. But I think overall, it's been a, it's been a very empowering decade. All right. Christina, do you have a different one? Yeah. So I think that Brie, uh, both of you had, had really good trends. This is one that actually, uh, Simone, especially you might say is a like a bad trend, right? Like might actually be mm-hmm. like something that could be considered in parts. And, and in some ways, it actually is tied directly to my worst trend of the decade. But I actually think the best trend I would say would be the rise would be the rise of, of quality um, like um, voice assistants. Um, I know that they're controversial and I know that there's a lot of negative things that can go with it. But I really do think that from like a UX standpoint, from from a um, actually from an accessibility standpoint, from a lot of different things, the ability like this has been one of the the big problems that technology has been trying to solve literally for decades. And the fact that that, you know, like natural speech um, is and, and you know, um, neural networks and, and, you know, AI stuff is 
now getting to a place where we can, you know, say commands and, and issue things and have, you know, somewhat context driven discussions with their devices. I think that's actually been really important. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I also think that you're, you know, there is no trend that is purely good that doesn't have a a dark side to it. I mean, as you saw with mine, like there's definitely an <laughs> insularity that can come from from group chats that can be bad as well. But, <laughs> you know, nothing, nothing is good in this world. <laughs> I'm sometimes, I'm sometimes, I'm sometimes so disturbed when you see like women only group chats, like we've really bound, you know, come together to, to kind of combat, especially with the Me Too movement this decade. At the same time, I mean, how many times have you been sitting in the group chat and there's a decision to uh, punish someone that's outside that group and kind of socially harm them. I'm, I'm deeply uncomfortable with that when it happens, you know? So it's it's good and bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to worst trend of the decade. I have one and it's the death of privacy. Mm. And um, I get this would be the flip side to, to Bree's uh, good trend. All of the the companies that haven't taken privacy into account and have flagrantly abused our data um, and created a world in which, well, well, they didn't create this. We created this ourselves. But the, the world that we created where it is too late to have any semblance of privacy because we gave it up before we understood what we were giving up. Uh, yeah, I would just mirror that and say Facebook. Uh, this has been the the decade that Facebook turned into a Bond villain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they are morally irredeemable. There is, uh, if, if I had to sit down and make a list of the good things Facebook has done, I think they've done some impressive work uh, fighting uh, sex trafficking. Um, and it's really hard to think of anything else. Um, I guess Oculus, like they've, they've been, a, like Quest has become a good thing. And I think uh, they've been running that division better lately. But overall, I think, I think Facebook has been in the, the kind of rise of um, amoral like companies that sell your privacy. That is by far the worst trend. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'll, I'll kind of piggyback a little bit on both of yours. I'm going to be a little bit different. I, I do think kind of death of privacy is a, is a big one, but I, I, I would argue that we really started to see that last decade too. For me, it's really been the flagrant, um, I guess, um, uh, security uh, abuse and, and, and the mm-hmm. lack of caring about security. Like to me, the biggest trend, like we look at Equifax, we look at, you know, all the, the massive other data breaches that we've had. And the, the fact that, uh, you know, security has been like, an afterthought, you know, even even things like the Sony hack, you know, like there have been so many big at this point, we not only do we have no expectation of privacy, but we have no expectation that any of our personal information is secure. And to me, the fact that I can't trust like to me is actually like what's was scarier to me in some cases isn't that a company might have my data. It's that they will have my data and then they won't protect it and that people other people will be able to get access to it. Um, you know, uh, like either because of their own incompetence or, or, or whatever, which, which to me, like, is, is really concerning and has been a really negative trend. And the fact that we so far, I mean, Equifax, again, being like a perfect example, have had absolutely no consequences for Mm -hmm. any of these data breaches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's, uh, abruptly shift gears to 
as I, sorry, let me say that again, because I was moving my legs under the covers in the bed that I'm in. <laughs> and we're leaving that in the show because I can. <laughs> Our favorite topic of the decade, <laughs> mood swing, scam town oh, final of topic. the decade. Okay, because as much scam. as we hate data yes. breaches, we love We scams. love scams. Oh my God, scams are the best. <laughs> Christina, I'm gonna let you go first. I think Christina's the queen of scam town. Oh my god! Okay, okay, right. Okay, okay, fair, fair, fair. Brianna goes first. It's gotta be Theranos. There's no story like I enjoy. I appreciate that this has been the decade we got our own real life Bond villainess, (laughs) (laughs) a win for feminism. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) Like, like she is so incompetent and evil and if you think through this like there's stuff here that i swear you've forgotten about like simone i urge you to take a moment and reflect on that batshit article <laughs> about elizabeth holmes fantasy about balto the yes. trained search and rescue yes. wolf yes he's a wolf man in the Who's pooping uh, in the corner in uh, front of Henry Kissinger? I mean, she's faking. She's putting blood in a freaking truck and shipping it across the country. She's lying about it being used to test for like infections in Iraq and war zones. Uh, she's committing fraud. She's going. She had that beautiful deposition where she doesn't even look like the same person that's on Nightline. She's just like, oh. She's faking her freaking voice. It is. It is every part of this. Is it? It's just. I don't see how there's even a runner-up. You're so right. Um, I I wrote down. I had written down three, but I felt like Firefest was one of them, and it was huge for me. But I feel like, in terms of our show, it wasn't necessarily the biggest thing. Theranos definitely is that. It Mm. kind of it it exposes. Venture capital. It exposes startup culture and tech startups in general. Uh, It has a Bond villainous as the the mastermind, mastermind, quote unquote, behind it. Uh, (laughs) It's going to be a hopefully a great movie. I hope they don't make it super boring. I hope they really lean into the weirdness of it. Tell the story where it's boring. There's no way it's it's the most (laughs) not boring photo. What what if they made like a, a, a like prestige movie out of it? Like, no, it needs to be weird. Wolf of Wall Street was prestige, and that still was weird and awesome. Good. Yeah, that's but that's what I'm saying. It needs to be, yeah, it needs to be both. Um, yeah, so I think that that was my favorite scam of the, de- or not favorite, but best scam of the decade. Yeah. And I do encourage you to go back and listen to our episode with Rebecca Jarvis. Yes. Uh, who so did the Dropout podcast about... Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos because it was very good. One of my favorite episodes, I think that I think that happened this year. Yeah, totally. Um, did, was it this year? It was this year. It was in February. Good. <laughs> All right, Christina. We move on to the Queen of Scams. Yeah, you. obviously, it's it's got to be Theranos. Look, Fire Festival's on my list too because I just think that the media and the memes and the content that we got out of it was so spectacular. It was quality. It was so good. I think that that Anna Delvey is one of my favorites because again the content just fantastic just so good uh but uh but no it has to be theranos like there's there's no way like nothing else even comes close like it is it is enron levels of good right like it is literally our generation's enron 
Um, yes. And, and uh, you know, uh, the positive thing being, okay, people's health was at risk, but at least, you know, uh, a lot of people didn't, like, regular people didn't lose their money, you know? So like, the, the, there are trade-offs, but, like, I guess, like, that's the one good thing yeah. is that unlike Enron, like, we didn't, like, like whole systems didn't kind of collapse. But it's it's so stunning. Um, no, she as Bree said, Bree said it perfectly, like, she's she's a, a Bond villain. And what I love about her now is that they are actively trying to change her image. She's wearing these soft colors and has curled hair and is wearing like less less harsh like makeup and like, you know, has a totally new look. And you guys, I'm just going to say it. It's probably going to work. She's probably going to walk. No, No, I mean, look, I'm sorry. It's probably going to work. How dare you? How dare you? I, I hope she doesn't because she is so guilty, right? Like Anna Delby, I was rooting for to get off. Um, after we spoke with Rachel Deloche Williams, I had some different thoughts, but like Anna Delby, I was like rooting for. Elizabeth Holmes, I am not rooting for, but she is a rich white woman who has very, very good, clearly very good, um, like, I guess, um, stylists and like people who are, you know, primping her for for her court appearances. And she might get off. Like Sunny Belwani. Oh, no, you're so right about this look uh-huh what they what they've done to her I they've completely the changed her. i can't find can, it can you yeah, show it to since, me since, since put the link in the in the in the Skype I, chat it's no it's kind of stunning i mean look uh i said this about casey anthony and i was right about casey anthony i was like oh no they they dressed her right like they did the right stuff i think it's going to be the same with elizabeth holmes and uh i'm not for it i'm just preparing myself the content though is uh has been spectacular it is such a good scam she's a terrible person but it's so fascinating on so many levels and uh honestly like i am excited that there that there's going to be a dropout tv show with kate mckinnon that there's going to be the movie with jennifer lawrence that uh the the big short guy is doing like this is just again just injected in my veins like i think fire festival was the most fun uh actually maybe tanacon was the most fun but but fire festival oh, tanacon was the most fun Tanacon yeah. was definitely the most fun but uh but no it's got to be theranos right like it's just absolutely like it, it, when we think back on scam town in like decades in the future like greatest yeah. of all time the goat is definitely it's theranos. the one that's gonna last beyond the memes i think absolutely no well, i was just gonna ask um so you think she's gonna win her court case or you think she's gonna manage to get back in the public eye like have a second act and launch a new company. Which one do you mean? Oh no, I mean I think I don't think she's going to jail. Oh, I'll take that bet. <laughs> I think I, 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 I think five hundred dollars. She goes to jail. Okay. Okay. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're putting this on. You heard it here, folks. Absolutely, five hundred dollars. Yeah. Look, I hope she okay. goes to jail. I really hope that I can spend. I can give you five hundred dollars, or we'll donate it to a charity or whatever. Right? Like whatever we want to do. But I, I really hope that I lose this five hundred dollars. I'm just saying, like, I'm I'm feeling not that confident. Now, I will say this. I'm saying she won't be convicted. If she signs a plea agreement, that that I'm not going to pay on. I'm saying that she's... Okay, the, yeah, that's a wash. The, the, that's the, a wash. The, the, if, they, yeah. if they go to trial, she she's not... I'm, I'm going to say that she's not going to... She's not going to get jail time. Okay, fair enough. Hey, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. So whether you want to create an online store or a portfolio or a blog, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrade needed. You don't have to worry about it because Squarespace has it all covered. 
They also have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Plus, all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your wonderful ideas that you're going to put out into the world and show off to everybody with your shiny new Squarespace website. If you're interested, Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash rocket. And then when you decide to sign up, use the offer code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for rocket this podcast. Once again, that is squarespace.com slash rocket and the code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you so much, Squarespace, for your support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, ma- make your next move. Make your next website. <laughs> I lost it. I lost it, you guys. Well, this has been our best of the decade show, and we're going to blast all right through our end of episode content because we're running a little long and we've got to go spend time with our families. Um, Brianna, I believe you had a story you wanted to tell. Yes, and just so Rocket listeners know, uh, Christina will see Star Wars this week, and we'll talk about it on next week's yes, show. Yes, we will. So, yes, we will. Awesome. Uh, so I just wanted to, uh, I was doing my calls yesterday, uh, my fundraising calls, and I wanted to tell you about a story, <gasps> oh, Simone, no. because oh, this no. is all about you. This is all about you. So I was calling uh, people that supported my campaign, and I called uh, Michael O'Neill, who lives in San Lorenzo over in California. Uh, and he, uh, fantastic guy, love him, fantastic person, but he was telling me a story that I've got to share with you on this podcast. (gasps) So he was sitting there listening to one of your ad reads he's listening to it. And as soon like mid ad, his boss calls him up (gasps) on the phone and he realizes, and he starts talking to his boss, and halfway through that conversation, he realizes he is talking to them and doing a Simone de Rochefort <gasps> ad read impression <laughs> with singing words halfway through and going into different voices and all of the cadence. You know, basically being the Kylo Ren of ad reads here, uh, just doing the whole thing. And she, and I think it was a she, if I remember, and she pauses and she goes, are you okay? And he's like, he's like, yes, yes, I am. So, <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. So, oh so I just wanted to let you know about that. I wanted to thank Michael, uh, who also uh, supported my campaign again for Q4. You are a rock star. So, thank you, thank you, Michael. Thank for you, Michael. The gospel of Simone into the world. Oh, God, that's so funny. Uh, Gospel of Simone is the episode title, by the way. Thank you. I'll write that down. <laughs> um, so, Bree, is that what you're up to this week? Uh, we might too. It's uh, end of Q4, uh, so we are fundraising hard tomorrow. Uh, we would certainly love to have you on Team Brianna. Uh, we have a whole new team of interns to Canvas uh, for Q1 of this year. I'm super excited about that. It's warm enough to start giving more speeches, so super pumped about that. That's, That's awesome. what I'm up to. Yeah. Christina, what about you? So I am going to Tampa for a wedding on New Year's Eve, so that's going to be fun. And then on New Year's Day, I'm going to see cats. And uh, because <gasps> I know, I know, we, we've already bought our tickets. We're so excited because we're going to be like when in Florida, do Florida things. And to me, there's nothing more Florida than going to see cats on New Year's Day. You're so right. Like, right? Like, it's just the ultimate, like, like, like Tampa 
like New Year's Day movie. So, uh, so I will be doing that. And, um, yes, and I will finally be seeing Star Wars. So next show we will finally be talking about it. I'm sorry it's taken me this long, but I've been with my parents and it's been hard to, uh, they don't care about the Star Wars. So I've, I've seen a bunch of other what? movies, but yeah, I know, but it, it, it's not worth it. Like there are certain battles that it's worth fighting. There are certain ones that it's not. My mom is not into the Marvel films, although she really liked, um, you know, the, the Batman stuff and she liked, uh, Spider-Man two. But when she saw, uh, the most recent Spider-Man film, she was very upset and was not into it. And so I've just, it's not worth it. My mom is awesome, as as we heard earlier. I love her. I'm not going to put her through that. So I will see Star Wars uh, when I get back in Seattle, and uh, uh, you know, and we we will t- we'll be able to talk about it next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am heading back to New York tomorrow, um, and pretty much the rest of my week. It, it's like that weird. A sort of off week where New Year's falls in the middle of the week. So I have that day off. I think I'm working on Tuesday. I think I'm working on, I, th- I think I am working for most of the week, actually. It just feels weird because of the Monday and then the Wednesday thing. Um, but I'll be getting back into making some interesting videos, including one that's, I think, coming out on January 6th about Overwatch League. <gasps> um, which I'm super, I, that's what I went out to LA for a couple weeks ago, and I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what that looks like, because I'm not editing it. I, I wrote it and I hosted it, so I'm going to hopefully return to the office and see that it looks really, really cool. Um, so I'm I'm excited. I, I That's a look forward to. Um, yeah. Hey. Wow, Christina, where can we find you online? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And you can find my work videos at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. And uh, yeah. All right. Uh, Brianna, what about you? Yes, you can find what my about videos. Woo? you can find my videos on polygon.com no wait uh yes you can find me at supportbriana.com if you want to support my congressional campaign uh you can follow my very interesting and non-controversial twitter account at brianna woo on the twitter machine or developer brianna woo on facebook and you can follow me on Twitter at Doom Quasar. You can see my videos at youtube.com slash polygon. And you can sign up for lessons in Simone's speech at simonespeech.squarespace.com. What? <laughs> no. Is that real? No, it's not. <laughs> oh, it should be. We should. I, I'm, it's, I'm doing the secret. I'm putting that out into the world so that nice. I can manifest it. Um, hey, if you like this podcast, thank you for listening for 260 episodes, first of all, because that's where we're at. Um, if you have indeed been listening for 260, that'd be wild. <laughs> yeah, if you and, haven't, go F yourself. <laughs> you know, go, go listen to all Do of them Do not listen to them. Um, but uh, thank you so much for sticking with us through 2019. Um, 2020 is going to be hopefully a very good year for us and for the world. And we will see you. We'll see you then. Uh, please leave a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts if you are so inclined. What a good time to do it. A new year, a new you, a person who leaves podcast reviews. I love it for you. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs>